Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This week we've got another one of our careers episodes, all about applying to the Renal Grid programme. Rebecca Jones, one of our newest Dragon Bites hosts, is joined by Dr. Ash Gupta, consultant paediatric nephrologist at Birmingham Children's Hospital, and by Shuja Alam, nephrology grid trainee, also based at the Birmingham Children's Hospital. In this episode, they discuss the interview for the nephrology grid programme. So, let's get started. Shuja, how about yourself? What was the what was the thing that drew you to peds and peds renal? Yeah, well, you know, um, I always enjoyed working with children, right? Since I was um, a child myself and and a teenager, I was always involved in youth work, some way or another. So it was very natural. Um, at medical school, um, when I did my pediatric rotation, I just knew that I was going to take to it very well. I, I was a medic at heart. And um, pediatrics in itself was, you know, all of general medicine, um, but it was uh, all in a pediatric context. And as Ash says, you know, we see a huge variety of patients right from, you know, even when they're in utero, we get involved as pediatricians and, and give advice. And we need to know about the embryology of developing organs and how that impacts on on life thereafters when there are problems very relevant for renal medicine and um and then we uh, basically see children at, at different physiological ages and they have different diseases because of that and different manifestations of disease and they have to grow and they have to learn and this was you know general medicine with all of this beautiful nuance which meant actually pediatrics was a was a no brainer and and especially as you know as a medical student I was also a scout leader i mean it was pretty much made it was a decision easily um, it was an easy decision for me. Um, and then uh, I did my elective in paediatrics um, in a in a poultry hospital um, uh, that was abroad. Uh, and that just, you know, uh, allowed me to see all of the kind of severe pathologies that I read about during my placements. Um, and, and, and I was set. Um, just like Ash, I tasted lots of different specialties. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the way the training is at the moment, by the time you get to kind of SD3, SD4, you, you may not have really tasted all that many subspecialties. You might have just come across them in your in your work doing the rotations through neonatology and general pediatrics and community, uh, which are, of course, the core things that you have to do. But um, I was lucky enough to ask for um, uh, experience in those jobs that I was particularly interested in. Um, and um, one of them was my renal uh, placement. And, and that solidified it for me, really, um, because for, the, for many of the reasons that Ash said, um, so I won't repeat those, uh, but what I would say is that um, I loved as well the idea of transplantation. I thought that was uh, incredible to be involved in a specialty that's involved in transplant. Um, and I was particularly interested because during this training of mine, um, my brother-in-law um, was facing end-stage renal failure. Um, and, and he kind of quite suddenly um, uh, went into that um, state. 
Uh, and I had seen someone very close to me go through renal replacement therapy and really struggle with it. Um, and I've also seen what how transformative um, the transplant was for him. And he's my age, actually. Um, so I, and, and, and I've known him for a very long time, even before we were married. So um, I have very personally uh, seen um, just how special this is for patients and their families and their friends. Um, and uh, when I got to taste a little bit of that during the job, um, again, that that really confirmed for me that, you know, this is definitely a fulfilling and, and worthwhile uh, a kind of specialty to, to, to be involved with, um, as well as not having to just think about a solid, a single solid organ. You know, I love nephrology because there is impact on the whole body. And, you know, you still have to be a good generalist, I believe, uh, to be a nephrologist. And uh, I didn't want to lose that element of, of, of my practice as well. Um, and that's probably, um, if, if you were to ask me, you know, the most rewarding part of the job, I really do feel, still feel, um, and I'm sure Ash would agree, that magic of, you know, when when patients, especially when they've had a rough time on renal replacement therapy and have really gone through the trenches, and then they have their kidney transplant that they've been waiting for. Um, and, you know, yes, there are ups and downs with that, but that is hugely rewarding. Yeah, I think when I was lucky enough to work with you guys, that was the some of the magic when we had children that came in for their transplant or even those ones that were on dialysis. So I think I've seen a little bit of that magic myself with you guys. What can trainees then do? They've been offered an interview. What can they do to prepare for that? The the first thing I would say is just to um, uh, try and find out a little bit, to demystify the interview process, just to try and find out um, what it's actually like because um, part of it is just mentally preparing, I think. Um, and so you will, I'm sure as you speak to other grid, tra grid trainees or people that have gone through a grid application process and in an interview, um, you'll know that they take place in, um, well, they have previously taken place in the RCPCH um, uh, building in London. Um, obviously, with the current COVID climate, um, things will be done uh, virtually or differently for this year. Um, but uh, part of the the game was just to appreciate that it's going to be in this kind of fancy building and you're going to be going in and signing in and, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a, a, form, a formal setting. But if you just uh, uh, kind of appreciate that and, and expect it, um, know that they're going to be a number of nephrologists, you know, on the opposite side of the table kind of thing. These things would otherwise be daunting, but if you're expecting them, um, and, you know, you know, they're going to be around the corner, then actually you can just turn your anxieties off about it and just focus on um, focus on what's going to happen and that, you know, you've done all the preparation and you, that you're going to give it your best shot. Um, so I think the first thing is just knowing what the situation is going to be like and knowing what's actually going to happen. So um, if you want, I can I can tell you a little bit about what the what the typical interview process used to uh, involve. And it was the same pretty much every year. Um, so shall I go ahead with that, Rebecca? Yeah, I didn't know if there was anything Ash wanted to add before you give us a typical overview, Shuja. Was there anything else you wanted to add about getting ready? I think you need to know the format of the interview, like Shuja said, the length of the interview, who's typically on the panel. Um, normally they would they would have specified people on the panel um, and they would have a, 
as well as having um, usually three paediatric nephrologists, you'd have one lay person um, and you'd have somebody from um, the college representing as well. Um, so I'd familiarise yourself with that and I would do basic things like, for example, make sure that you've got a CV so you know all your selling points and then go back to basics. I don't know if you, if the trainees will remember what they had to go through to get their paediatric training number and um, what they did at that time. And I remember having the um, CTST interview book that gives you all the structures to the answers um, that you would give at, um, in during the interview. And I'd go back, I went back to that actually. I went right, I went back to that basics initially and just wrote, wrote down uh, what my answers would be according to that book. And then I went and then I built on to probably what she was just going to talk about um, before I had practice interviews with other consultants that I was working with. But I think Shuja, what you were going to explain, I think would be really beneficial to everyone. Sorry, Shuja, before um, I'm just I'm just conscious that Ash said she needed to go around now. So I just wanted to check whether Ash was okay or whether you needed to douch. Is that all right? I do need to leave. Is that all right? Do you need to ask me anything? Is there anything else you want to add for us? Because we can stitch it in if there was any final things you wanted to say. One of the one of the things I was going to say before I go is that um that trainees should keep a close eye on the RCPCH website. Um and this year they had the grid application process virtual interviews. There was a, it was a live QA session. Um, and I think that's really, really helpful to know and to highlight any differences from year to year because things will change. And um, and so that they should keep an eye out for that. Um, but apart from that, I was just going to say that um, I'm sure Shuja will agree that if anybody wants to ask any specific questions after this, I'm more than happy for my email address to be um, added on to anything. Uh, if, if people wanted to ask any specific things or if they um, if they had anything any questions that I didn't answer today but thanks so much Rebecca and Asim and Shuja no thank you for joining us Ash all right sorry Shuja I was just conscious that um Ash said she needed to go so back to back to that so if you lead us through what a typical interview might look like I think that'd be really helpful for trainees yeah, sure. And, and 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 actually, just something to add that came to my mind, you know, just as you're trying to think about getting ready for the interview, you, one of the things that you might think of, and I was certainly a little bit um, worried about is, gosh, how much nephrology do I need to know, uh, you know, at this point? And, you know, despite people telling me that, you know, they, they are looking for a candidate to go into nephrology training, they're not looking for a nephrologist at this stage, you know, not a tertiary nephrologist. So, um, you know, don't necessarily worry yourself about um, getting all of paediatric nephrology into your head um, just for the case of this interview. No, what they're looking for is, um, you know, um, a broad understanding about key issues in nephrology that would be important for a general paediatrician to be aware of. Things about, for example, dealing with um, acute kidney injury, uh, for example, um, and, uh, you know, resuscitation um, in, a, in a kind of a nephrology patient kind of context let's say someone who's got AKI um, or, or someone um, in in my case it was 
a patient with kind of bloody diarrhea and they were shocked and um, it might be that they were developing um, hemolytic uremic syndrome um, but something that you might actually come across in general pediatrics they're not going to try and put something so specialized that you know only a tertiary nephrologist is really going to be able to tease that apart it's going to be general um, general and basic stuff and they're going to look for your approach but if you did want um, things to read around, I would highly recommend in the first instance looking at things like InfoKid. Um, InfoKid is uh, .org.uk um, is a, a, a resource website, information which is tailored mainly for patients and, and their families and, and they've got some um, uh, information for professionals as well um, and it looks at the main kind of conditions that uh, kidney patients face and it's actually in, in in a language that's very easy to digest and it will give you lots of the issues um that are actually probably more than enough of of some of the specific nephrology stuff and, and an awareness of what kind of um, pathologies and problems that families have and i think that's an excellent thing to just look through and and help you prepare for uh, the knowledge base for the interview um and uh yeah, I think that's that's probably the the main thing. I wouldn't necessarily try and make sure you know you've read through the whole of of a, of a, the pediatric nephrology handbook, for example. I think it's just really um, how you're going to approach uh, the the scenario. So I'll I'll take you through what a typical um, interview involves. What what it, what it used to involve is um, going to the RCPCH building and signing in, and then you know waiting to go to a separate room where you would have to prepare your presentation. So one of the things that you have to do as part of this interview is to prepare a presentation. It's a short presentation. It's about I think five minutes in length, um, but they will give you the topic there and then, and uh, and then they will um, give you a, a certain amount of time. I believe it was uh, ten minutes or so maximum. Um, to prepare um, your presentation on on a, on a laptop that they will give you. Um, so you prepare those slideshows. And um, the key thing there is just to make sure that there is a beginning, a middle and an end and, and that you've thought about that problem. And it's more about, um, you know, just your ability to relay information, think about a problem and analyze it and try and um, make sure that you're tackling different facets of it. Um, and they just want to be able to see that you can you can do that. It's nothing more complicated. They'll choose a new topic each year. My interview, uh, it was about organizing a regional uh, teaching um, teaching day and um, and how you would approach that problem. Um, one tip that I would give uh, if if it goes back to a physical format is um, I was in that room preparing that presentation with other trainees that were preparing their presentation, but they were for different interviews for different specialties and different specialties had different tr um, lengths of time that they were allowed to prepare their presentation. So I saw some other person that I didn't recognize um, in the room and I thought, oh, that's great. So when they get pulled out, I know that it's close towards my time being done. And that's what I'd assumed. So I thought that I still had plenty of time because that other person was around. And then my time had actually um, <laughs> finished uh, and I didn't actually get to complete uh, the very final slideshow, um, a, a slide. But you know what? That didn't matter at all. If something like that happens to you, it does not matter. And they just wanted to be able to see that you can stand up and, and um, you know, be coherent. That's all. Um, 
Uh, and and that was absolutely fine. The next thing, so when you're in the interview room and you do have that panel that we talked about, um, usually there would be a, a, at least one of them will be the the, the CSAC chair. So um, they will definitely be there, and then some other nephrologists. And as Ash said, the the the, the composition, as she mentioned previously, um, but there will be about five, maybe six individuals in the room. So just be mentally prepared for that. And they will each have a particular question to ask you. And whilst they ask you that question, um, they, they will have a, a you know a, a, a structured format to to be kind of scoring you. It's kind of like a driving test. You know, you would expect them to be scribbling and writing um, whilst you're talking. But really, they do try and be friendly. They don't try and grill you. They don't try and you know belittle you. Yes, they are all sitting at one end of the table, and it's against a big window, and you know, but. Um, on the whole, almost everyone was smiling and nodding along, you know, and they were trying to basically be as friendly as they can. But be prepared. They need to be um, very structured and they need to be quite um, kind of similar between candidates. So they are not really allowed to converse and really um, have back and forth discussion about the case or the questions. They would kind of expect you to um, freestyle and, and, and just go solo. <laughs> so that can be disconcerting. But again, if you mentally prepare for it and you know you know that, okay, they're going to ask their question and then it's down to you. Um, so the kind of questions they ask, there'll be two cases. One of the cases is typically kind of like an acute kidney injury case. Um, and I told you my case was in the context of probable hemolytic uremic syndrome and AKI uh, secondary to that and probably an element of dehydration. Um, and then there'll be another case which would be more of a chronic kidney disease situation. And I think my one was about um, a boy with CKD who had also uh, learning difficulties and neurodevelopmental problems and was being worked up for a kidney transplant. So, um, again, it sounds very specific, but I think it was really trying to get you to think about ethical issues that are involved um, um ethical issues about um about uh, you know competence and uh, and consent and uh, multidisciplinary team working and having a psychosocial approach to the patient and their families and whether you know whether um you know certain treatment modalities are you know ethical in terms of um, you know, fair utilization of resources and maleficence and beneficence, uh, non-maleficence and beneficence and all that stuff. So, you know, they these are the key things that they will try and get out from these cases. And from the acute case, they will always expect you to try and approach in a methodical, structured manner. So that's, of course, an A, B, C, D, E approach to your assessment and to your plan. And that's what they want to see. At the same time, they would love to be able to see you appreciate some of some of the nephrology aspects and again you don't have to be a tertiary nephrologist but to be able to identify that you know a child is for example you know hyperkalemic um, and has significant renal dysfunction so that's a problem that they are acidemic and that you know these things would fit in with an acute kidney injury for example um, that they are quite anemic in this case and so that would fit in with hemolysis um, and you know we might need to think of a blood transfusion and if you if you can, you know, show off some of your understanding in nephrology, that would be that would be brilliant, you know, uh, and that would just give you bonus marks. But as long as you have a structured um, approach, which is safe 
for your level of training, then actually that's all they're looking for. And that's what they want. Um, and you don't need to. I spoke to loads of people and um, grid trainees that did not know the case that they had. They don't know the diagnosis. They felt like they were flustered, um, but they did OK. They did absolutely okay, even if they didn't come to a diagnosis, because they just had a, method a methodical approach. So I would highly recommend um, to keep a structure. And the structure that I would say is to use an S-bar. I know that we use S-bar for um, communicating and handovers, but actually you can use an S-bar um, to uh, approach the analysis of a problem. So you can kind of look at it. Um, you can... Once they will read through the question for you, word for word, verbatim. And then what you might want to do is say, OK, well, um, let me just read through this again. And um, and I'll uh, the situation, as I understand, is uh, X, Y and Z. And I can see that the background for this child is that they you know, have learning difficulties and um, and or other comorbidities. And um, so if I were to assess this child, I would use a systematic approach, A, B, C, D, E, and so forth. And then your recommendations, again, can be, um, it can, your plan should be systematic. So that's what I would say. If you just approach that clinical problem with, with some kind of a systematic approach and then wrap it up at the end and make it clear that you've wrapped it up, um, that means that, uh, you, you know, they can see a beginning, a middle and an end, that it's been logical, that it's been safe. And I think they, that, that means that they would be happy. Um, and as long as you're not flustered and expect that kind of an approach, I think you guys will be absolutely fine. The other questions that they will ask, um, one is going to be about a research topic. So um, this can be a little bit daunting, but um, if it, they will just ask about a problem. In my case, it was how would you approach um, a, a research project for a rare disease? I think it was. So um, uh, here, I think, you know, some knowledge, some background reading on you know, different kind of study designs and the pros and cons of each of those would be would be important. Um, but then um, also just uh, maybe an appreciation of some of the big projects that are happening right now in nephrology. Um, and you can get that information by going to the um, these conferences and reading up on the like on the BAPN website um, on the, or the KQIP website. Uh, that's K-Q-U-I-P. Um, that's a branch of BRAPEN. That will give you an idea of what kind of pro national projects are running at the minute. And that will give you an, a, an idea about how we are approaching research problems in nephrology. Um, and, and, it's, it, and it's along those lines. Um, uh, I think, so we talked about presentation, AKI, um, uh, the two clinical cases, the research, and of course, the two questions that you're absolutely guaranteed to have. You know, one of them will be, I'm sure you can predict it, you know, why nephrology? And the other one would be, why, why choose you over someone else? You know, and and I think um, these two questions you should really have. You've already thought about it for your application, but there is no reason why this shouldn't just absolutely flow um, and and be completely prepared for, because um, that's a no that's a no brainer. But try your best to get as much in, know your selling points, know your CV, and get as much in as succinctly as possible, um, uh, and, and don't undersell yourselves. Because you guys, I'm sure, have so much to sell um, and make sure it gets through. Don't um, don't just rely on something being on your CV or on your application form and therefore it'll count. No, you know, make sure it comes out uh, in the in the right place. That's amazing, Shuja. Um, I think you've given us all loads to think about. 
Um, and I think you and Ash said it that us as medics are really bad at selling ourselves. Um, we often shy away from it. Um, and for things like interviews, we really need to be better at knowing what our strengths are, because I think everybody has more strengths than they give themselves credit for. I think you've covered everything we wanted to go through today. I guess picking up on that um, last thing you said about one of the questions that will definitely come up, why renal? As a you know grid trainee, for other trainees out there who maybe haven't decided on a specialty yet, who are listening to these podcasts like like I do, not being anywhere near to grid application yet, why should they choose renal over other specialties? I think to some degree, it is going to be subjective based on your experiences. Um, but I do think nephrology is an incredible specialty um, for the reasons that we said at the beginning uh, of, of the interview, really. But uh, I, I do think that um, it offers actually, in addition to what we said before, a, a good uh, work-life balance, actually. And I think that's important when you're thinking of of consultant careers, that, um, that you do have a um, a subspecialty interest that actually you might be protected by some of the um, kind of heavy workload that unfortunately we do see uh, falling on the shoulders of um, of my general pediatric colleagues and I I, I love general pediatrics um, and um, uh, you know it is one of my passions but but you know when I see the direction that um, uh, that things are taking um, and they may not last forever but I do think that junior consultants are being asked to take on um, a, a, a lot more than they ever used to and uh, and I think that that is something relatively uh, protected in, in subspecialties and in particular nephrology. I think nephrology is great because you can deal with a lot of things on the phone but you need to develop that skill, that skill of gaining as much information as you can, relevant information and actually giving safe advice um, on the phone um, but which you can do quite um uh, quite skillfully, actually, and and quite effectively, uh, that may not be applicable in in many other specialties. And actually, it's quite satisfying to see how um, you know your advice and going back to the physiology and a little bit back to kind of some some um, kind of electrolyte disturbances, some calculations, um, and it's really satisfying to see how um, your remote advice actually pans out and um, and makes. Uh, and, and makes a difference. And that's, you know, that's really quite satisfying. Um, and at the same time, it's not all remote. You know, there's lots of cool, acute um, stuff that's happening in hospital itself um, that keeps your hands busy. Um, and, you know, we've got our own like practical skills as well. So I love doing renal biopsies. I mean, I'm sure everyone's got their particular things that they love doing, like lumbar punctions. So I used to I used to love doing lumbar puncture. I still do. You know, I still really quite enjoy it. And every time the, the, the CSF comes out, it, you know, it gives me a little buzz. And the, I get the same thing when I um, when I hand over my little piece of kidney <laughs> to um, to the uh, pathologist. You know, uh, there are these little quirky things that, you know, that uh, that's why. Um, uh, in addition to all the stuff we said at the beginning, which is equally true, but I do think nephrology is 
um, well worthwhile going for. Yes, it is competitive. It is what, probably one of the smallest specialties that you'll be applying for, for grid. So they might only be appointing, you know, six people, seven people, which will be very different to, you know, neonatology or community pediatrics. But you know what? I, I went into this thinking, well, you know, it's worth a try. It's worth a try. And, you know, and I was really happy and I wasn't expecting to have scored as well as I did. Um, and actually, I chose Birmingham as my first choice and I, and I got it as my location. Um, if I wanted to have chosen London, I would have got that as well because, you know, they seem to be quite happy with my application and my interview. So don't underestimate yourselves. You know, you guys, you guys have you will guys have had loads. Um, and I came out of that interview thinking I absolutely botched it. I, I came out thinking it was a complete like I was convinced that it was it was a goner. It was an absolute goner. And this and the girl and the and my colleague who's now a grid trainee with me, um, she also came out of the interview and we went for a coffee afterwards to pick each other up because we were like distraught and we thought that's it. It's gone completely paired shape just because we felt like you, know, you don't get any feedback from them and you just you ask you you keep questioning yourself did you did you did you go down the wrong way did you completely miss the point and you know she said something different I said something different and we we but you know what we both got in we're, we're both like um we're both doing well you know and uh you never know just give it a go I think that's a excellent uh sentiment to end on just giving it a go and shooting for something if you want it is an excellent sentiment to end on so thank you very much not at all not at all it's my it's my absolute pleasure thank you for inviting me and you know i i i, I agree i think this is an excellent project i wish i had um all of this information in one place in one go um so i really do think it's gonna help um you know loads of people so thank you very much And I just wanted to say thank you to Ash and Shuja for joining us for these podcasts and to Rebecca for hosting them for us. Join us again next week for another episode of Dragon Bites. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.